0: Today, James and I are going to talk about the fact that Everton are now one win in the last eight matches and what that means for Marco Silva. We're going to talk about Everton possibly having a right back conundrum on their hands. We're going to move into what the FA Cup competition can mean to Everton Football Club this season. And we're going to end it with some score predictions for Everton versus Lincoln City at Goodison Park on Saturday. This is Alex, and this is James, and you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the American Toffee Podcast. It is a little over 24 hours since Everton lost to Leicester City 1-0, a 7.30 kickoff on New Year's Day. Alex, not one that I really wanted to get up for after having a pretty late night the prior evening. How was your New Year's?
0: Man, it was good. It was, as you said, a pretty late night. I didn't get up right at 7.30 to watch the match. I got up at like 9 30, 10 o'clock here on the East Coast. But it was pretty good. It was kind of kind of a crazy story towards the end of the night myself my roommate and then my girlfriend and and one of her friends the four of us went out and we were making our way back to the car to go home and this random very intoxicated man came around the corner of the street and I guess he thought the women were very attractive So he carried on with plenty of expletives as to why they should leave myself and my roommate and come back to his apartment. Well, in the wake of his expletives in the middle of the street, I simply responded, watch your mouth. Well, as you can imagine, he didn't like that very much. So he started screaming at me some more, you know, we're all just continuing to walk, whatever. Next thing you know, I get punched in the back of the head. (laughs) no way. Yeah. I got punched in the back of the head. So I literally turned around because at that point I'm like, all right, adrenaline's pumping. Like what's up at this point, the guy's already like 15 feet across the street. Like literally it's like he, he paused, swung and then bolted. So the next thing, you know, a, a random bystander was like running across the street after him to like, I don't even know whether it was to defend me or something. And then a retired cop was taking his dog to go to the bathroom, and he was like, look, I'm a retired cop. Uh, I saw everything that happened. You're okay. And so at that point, I was like, I guess I'll just take the assault and get on with my life. Next thing you know, I get home at about one thirty a.m., and I got my long-awaited Premier League in the USA scarf from Everton in the USA that I won, I think, about two and a half months ago that they were having issues with. So I was really excited.
1: That's a really good way to end the night on a on a high note after a vicious and cruel assault. I think that sounds like a good way to go out.
0: <laughs> I think he heard that I needed to get up and watch a match and record, and he was, tr- he was just a hater. But either way, James, how was your night?
1: I had a pretty good night. I, I went down to Boston and went out to a bar, drank a few too many Red Bull vodkas, which never really a great idea. Okay, um,
0: hold up, James. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're aware, but on the Red Bull cans, it says verbatim, do not mix with alcohol. And what did you do? I mixed them. I mixed them good. I mixed them multiple times.
1: It was kind of a a break glass in case of emergency because we got to the bar and it was just like a madhouse of people dancing. And, And at that time, me and my friends were relatively sober. And so we all looked at each other and it was like, Alright, we gotta do something here, otherwise, this is gonna be a real quick night because it was like 10 30 by the time we actually ended up going out. So Red Bull vodka's there was actually the downstairs we found the bar had ski ball, which is great. I love ski ball, it's like one of my favorite arcade games ever. And so I was drinking Red Bull vodka, playing a lot of ski ball, and then when the ball dropped, they had a champagne toast, so so it was all good. But yeah, getting back at around 2 33 AM, waking up at 7 30. I'm thinking, this is what being an American Premier League fan is all about. This is what being an Evertonian is. Watching Leicester City, January 1st, 2019. New year, new Everton. Here we go. I see the lineup. We're getting off to a good start. We've got Richarlison. We've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He's going to kick ass up front. 90 minutes later, where one very horrible Michael Keane kick cost us the entire game, 1-0. Leicester... Job done, came to get the points, successful mission. Now yeah, one win and eight. All of the happiness and glitter surrounding the Marco Silva reign at Everton may be starting to fade a little bit. I don't know, Alex. A lot of fans may be overreacting by calling for his head so early, but what are your thoughts so far? So I think
0: that people calling for his head are definitely ludicrous. Although he was able to sign some very good players, we shipped out a lot of old or not good enough players, and he's been working on a system. If everyone remembers, we had a very slow start to the season. We had some very unfortunate calls not go our way. So a lot of draws against teams that, you know, ideally we would have been able to grind out wins. We then had a very good streak in which we won, I think, three or four in a row. And then we came into the winter period and it's been pretty horrible. As stated, Marcos Silva is not going to be fired this year, you know, this season at all. And I will go as far as to say he's not going to be fired even next season unless, you know, it's January 2020 and we're sitting in 18th or something. Because it's very unfair to give him one window to kind of build the squad that he wants. And that, you know, that is what that's actually only been four months, five months with four months within with a full squad to try and get his, you know, build his system, get players playing the way that he feels they should. You got to understand that system changes play a big part in how players adapt. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I agree, especially saying it's far too early to be talking about sacking Marco Silva. He needs to be given time. The club have had three managers in four years. It's just no real way to conduct yourself when you're trying to build a project the way that Everton are. You look at a club like Chelsea, who notoriously managers do not last more than two seasons. They're a club with essentially unlimited funds, and they have that luxury in a way where they can chop and change. Because no matter what, the squad that they have, they know is good enough to compete. Last season, Sam Allardyce got us eighth. And I think that was probably one of the worst things that could have possibly happened. Because now everyone's going to judge our performance this season on improving upon the eighth place finish. And I think when you're trying to completely you know, rip all the roots up and start over fresh, There almost needs to be some kind of regression. Like, I don't think you can just take the eighth place squad, come in, buy all these new players and just continue the upward trajectory because we've tried to do that with all the chopping and changing we've done. And it's been a massive failure. So in order to completely reinvent the squad, it may take a 12th place finish this season. And before the season started, everyone was saying this season's a write off. It doesn't matter what happens. And now suddenly we're in January and we're looking at 10th place, fine. We're probably not going to get European football this season. A cup run would go a long way to, you know, setting a good standard because the league is kind of a crapshoot right now with how tight it is where we're at. I just just think that, yeah, this whole thing takes a long time. And I think, again, we got ahead of ourselves when we were sitting in sixth after, you know, 13 some odd games. And thought that yeah okay maybe we can just skip skip the step make the next step immediately and become that team that competes with the Man Uniteds for that sixth place spot clearly that we're just not that team yet and it's going to take a long time
0: right and past the fact that we were six so quickly and unexpectedly I think it's also kind of a good thing and and hang in there with me as I explain why I say that's a good thing because it shows that our fans believe in on paper how good our squad can be. And with that, there comes a level of expectation. And now that's a level of expectation for Everton Football Club in general. But with the players that we were able to sign, a lot of the fat that we were able to trim, it just brings a whole other level of expectation with it. So with that, let's get into the match a little bit. So Everton at Goodison Park had 60% possession to Leicester City's 40%. Everton had 17 shots to their eight, and yet we only had two on target. What does that say?
1: It just is a continuation. What we know that there's just no real finishing, that clinicalness that Lester had yesterday with Jamie Vardy. We can create all the chances we want, but three or four shots on target, none of them really all that good, even the ones that were on target, we're missing people who, who have that aggression and, and are looking to score. At times, yesterday, Kurt Zuma looked like the player who was most interested in carrying the ball forward and making something happen in the opposition's you know defensive area. That is not a good sign and shows that I think maybe we're a little short on confidence at the moment. Struggling to, to do the very, very basic things that we were doing really well at the start of the season. You You spoke earlier about how we were kind of fortunate, unfortunate rather, not to get a few results early on the thing is over the last several games there's been no sense of luck it's mostly just been really poor play and deservedly bad results and that sounds really blunt to say but the fact of the matter is like whatever form we were in leading up to the derby is gone and to attribute it all to the derby i think is kind of ridiculous and if it is due to that then that just is a indictment on the players mentality And frankly, Marco Silva's mentality in if that's the type of thing that can collapse. You're not very mentally strong, And, and I hope that that's not what it is and that it's maybe just fatigue again, not really an excuse because of all the fixtures that everyone's played. We did have the shortest time between fixtures, but still not an excuse. So I don't know exactly what it is. It just looks like the players aren't executing the basics that they should be. And then the the final product, the end product scoring goals, which just hasn't really been there at all this season, continues not to be there. And so it's kind of like, you know, the issues at the front have started to creep into the rest of the squad. I don't know. What what do you think
0: about that? It's annoying because you see you see within 10 minutes of that match that they were just tired. And part of that is the fact that you want to play your strongest squad every match because Obviously, if you're not winning matches, you don't have the luxury of swapping out five players, you know, every three days, like some of these other squads have been able to do. But as you said, everyone's playing these fixtures. Other teams are coming up with wins, specifically against Everton Football Club away from home. And so you can't always really use that as an excuse anymore. I think a good part of it is maybe that. Some of these players, like Bernard, like Luca Dean, for example, Andre Gomez, if, we're gonna, if I'm going to be quite frank, I think they're used to playing with better players. And I think part of it comes with the fact that guys like Theo Walcott, you know, Calvert-Lewin is more inexperienced than anything. Seamus Coleman is kind of degrading at this point. They're not performing to really any sort of level at all. And so I think these other guys are getting frustrated. Richarlison, he hasn't yet found consistency. He's he I think is actually right on par with Calvert-Lewin in terms of age. He's either 2 months younger or 2 months older. And so when you look at the fact that you're you're relying on Richarlison to be your main goal scorer, while well, Sigurdsson's definitely chipping in this season. He's doing great, I think. You don't have anyone else. And that's
1: what separates us from the sides at the top. You know, Spurs, they have six or seven players who can score on any given day. Chelsea, even, even though they're they're not in the great, greatest form right now, they've got players all across the field that can score. The arch nemesis who will not be named, they've got goals all over from the bench, from all over the field. Man City, of course, goes without saying. We don't have that. We've got Gilfie Sigurdsson and Richarlison who can score goals. The right side of our team right now is a liability when Seamus Coleman is in there fully. I thought John Joe Kenny probably was one of the brightest performers on the day. He did have an absolutely shocking attempted cross that uh, went out for a goal kick that wasn't even close. But beyond that, he looked much more energetic, fresh legs to be fair, hasn't played any of our holiday fixtures so far. But looked really confident in putting the ball into the box, which is something that Coleman has come under fire for his inability to get involved on the offensive end. And I think that John Joe Kenny showed that he can kind of do that.
0: He did. John Joe Kenny had a really, really good match. And he shows exactly what the right type of attitude is for any any professional player that maybe not getting as much game time as they want to. And also how you can come off the bench or fill in for the quote unquote starter and challenge the starter for a starting role and perform to your best ability. So let's talk a little bit of statistics, James, because I made sure to look these up. Give me some math. I got you. I got you fired off. Ready? So John Joe Kenny, he had four tackles and five clearances against Leicester city, which the clearances might feel a tidy bit standard, but four tackles is quite a bit. Now, Another important and impressive piece is he had two key passes in the match, okay? Now, Seamus Coleman has had no more than two tackles in the last 11 matches he's played in, and he's only had two key passes in two of all of the matches that he's played this season, okay? John Joe Kenny essentially doubled his tackles and matched the most amount of key patches he's, key passes he's had all season in his first start back in which he wasn't even making the squad.
1: That's a really interesting statistic. In when players come in, they'll make an immediate impact. For example, Calvert-Lewin coming off the bench. When they're given an extended run in the team, their form kind of falls off the map. There's not that ability to consistently perform. You start with a bang, but you have to sustain that quality. And we just haven't at all. Even Andre Gomez, who I'm sure is absolutely exhausted, um, trying to carry you know the team through the center of the field basically by himself, so he's you know the fatigue comes into play. Ghana I thought looked really good against Leicester, all things considered, uh, sitting in front of the defense versus having versus having the three center backs spread out kind of across the width of the field. But then you know what Leicester did with with was similar to how Brighton played, where they they sat in five, they played five midfielders across, and they just were determined not to let us play through the middle of the field. And we struggled to get down the wings, but that's really where we found our place. And then with the center backs on the ball, they—they're just—they were giving them all day, and we couldn't really get any of our midfield players involved. And, and Calvert Lewin really had absolutely no service. You can criticize his play, perhaps, but then Cheng Tosin comes on and gets, I think, two shots off in like very little time, and looked relatively convincing. So now you're talking about potentially bringing Cheng Tosen back into the fold. I don't know. What do you think about that?
0: yeah I think Jenk Tosen looked really hungry when he came on. Calvert Lewin didn't have his best day, and that's okay because when you're talking about coming off the bench being an impact sub and then starting matches and being consistent in you know the two players mentioned Calvert Lewin and lookman, right they're both twenty one years old, I believe, and so that's just part of learning essentially how to be a professional, especially at a club like Everton, in which there are high expectations. So I think that it warrants a little bit more patience with guys like Lookman, Calvert Lewin, John Jokanic, Tom Davies, for example, hasn't been seeing much of the pitch since Andre Gomez has gotten fit and been starting. At the end of the day, it comes down to one fact: teams have figured us out. Play four at the back, sit five across the midfield, and Everton will not score. That's that. Marcos Silva is going to need a plan B. Or he's going to need to get to the point where there's a way in which our current tactics, confidence of players, quality can shine through and we can break teams down because that's been our issue for years and years now and it hasn't changed. And that comes back to kind
1: of like giving him more time where those types of the way that we played for so long isn't going to change overnight. And I think that's why he deserves the benefit of the doubt. We had a really good run of form to start the season. And now we're on a really bad run of form. The question is, can he turn it around and get us playing well
0: again? And I think he can. We just need to give him time and get through the winter. Let's move past this very annoying start to 2019, James. And let's look at the fact that we have Lincoln City in the FA Cup in three days on Saturday. How are you feeling for that match?
1: It's a really, really good opportunity to get some confidence back. The question is, how much does he change up the squad? because it is a lower division opponent that we should be absolutely crushing. We've had a lot of games in very little time, and so it becomes rest versus having you need to win this game. Because if we lose this game, however unlikely it may look at this point, then you're in a really, really bad position if you're Marco Silva.
0: You are. Seamus Coleman came out and said... And he said it a couple times before, but he wants nothing more than to win an FA Cup at Everton before he hangs up his boots, right? He is a blue through and through. I don't think he ever plans to go anywhere except for Everton. He wants to retire here. And so I really hope, I think as all other fans do, that we can make it through the competition. Now, in terms of changes, I'm going to be honest. I think we can see maybe about half of a new starting 11. I think we can see four or five. I mean, excuse me. I think we can see five or six fresh players come in on the weekend. That seems like a lot
1: barring any fitness concerns. I don't know what. So when you say those changes, you think, well, you first, you think Pickford gets a rest because he is over the last several games had a lot of difficulty. He had some decent saves on, On New Year's Day, wearing the baseball cap in the first half, always a little bizarre to see a soccer player wearing a baseball cap, but had it on to block the sun, which I saw a picture of the angle where the sun was coming in. It looked absolutely miserable. So do you rest Jordan Pickford and bring Martin Stecklenburg in?
0: Absolutely. that's pretty standard to have your cup keeper because if you don't play Stecklenburg for any league matches, which we're not going to, barring a disaster with Pickford, then he Needs to be able to stay fit and stay warm otherwise. So, yes, I do believe so.
1: And then moving into the defense, I mean, we do have our, you know, the three center backs that everyone feels somewhat comfortable playing with. But then you also have maybe Phil Jagielka, who's fit. You got Leighton Baines on the bench. You've got, you know, John Joe Kenny, Seamus Coleman now. That seems to be a little more competitive than it might have looked a few weeks ago. What do you think as far as the defense goes?
0: So, on the defense, I think that. Leighton Baines is going to come in. He hasn't gotten a match since Luka Dean essentially was able to bide his time in training, get re- get ready and fit for the system, and then started his first match. So I, I firmly believe that Leighton Baines will be in the lineup. I also think one of Mina or Jagielka will start, and so that's that's three changes right there. I, I believe that Kenny is going to stay right back for this match, and deserve, deservedly so. If he, if he can be fit in... You know, four days' time, which he should be able to, then I think he'll start again.
1: I agree with John Joe Kenny starting. Um, Baines, I think Dean probably needs a rest. If anyone's, you know, been consistent with their form, it's been Luka Dean. It's probably time to give Baines a game. Center backs could be a toss up. My concern is that you start to change your, you know, we haven't really developed that mainstay center back partnership. Michael Keenan and Kurtzuma, I believe, are the partnership that would play the most games, but they're never. You know, we went five at the back, three center backs. We've chopped and changed that quite a bit, and though we haven't looked really defensively frail, we are conceding goals that are unnecessary. And it was a shocking touch from Michael Keane that led to that. So, so I would, I think Michael Keane could probably use a break. And yeah, maybe maybe Phil Jackie Elko comes back into the side to captain, um, the midfield, and then kind of getting into the attacking players. So you've already had three changes, so now you've got a few more to make. You think Tom Davies gets a look?
0: Exactly. Andre Gomez looked kind of extra slow and I'm going to safely assume, although I guess that's objective or subjective, excuse me, we're going to see one change in midfield and probably one change up front. I'm going to say that I think Tom Davies is going to come in for Gomez, right? Ghana got a little bit of a break, although he was obviously injured. Sigurdsson has some fantastic stamina. He's pretty much always up for it. Up top, I think then I'm going to go with a spicy take and say that Cenk Tosin will come in because at the end of the day, he still deserves to get another shot before he's sent out, whether we're talking about this month or over the summer. What do you think?
1: I don't have any issues with Cenk Tosin playing at face value. It just becomes, you know, we saw what happened against Southampton, albeit Lincoln City is not nearly the quality of Southampton, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that probably our worst squad player better than their best player. So there's really absolutely no excuse we should be able to win with a weak inside or not even you know a rotated squad that's not quite as familiar with each other, but that thought still lingers in the back of your head anytime that we try to do anything crazy because very few times a season have we been able to successfully rotate players and have any you know effectiveness. It it greatly diminishes how we play. And I think that comes down to you know talking about the style of Marco Silva the players that he's subbing in and switching out are players that he didn't choose or players that were already here. And that means that they might not be well suited to what we want to do. Again, comes against Lincoln City. I think you can have some leeway with your lineup. And I I think probably Adam Lookman if Fitch should start, wouldn't hate if Tosin started and then Bernard on the on the left. But it just it just makes you a little nervous knowing how it can horribly backfire on us. And we could be looking you know, 60 minutes into the game on Saturday and we haven't scored, and all of a sudden we're making panic substitutions again.
0: That very well could be a thing. And the nerves are there for me as well. I just take into account League 2 opposition, which can't really be taken lightly because we all know it is the beautiful game of soccer and those things happen. At this point, if these players are as tired as they look and they're acting then it might be time to just scoot some of them into the lineup, rest some of the guys that are covering the most ground during every three days in which we've been playing and see what happens. But I I hope that I'm wrong and that we see a, a hand, a couple of changes and they handle it fine because we have, I think, eight days. I think we have eight days until our next Premier League match after Lincoln City finally. And so we don't necessarily have to make wholesale changes. It just depends on if they're up for this match specifically. And you have to hope that as professional
1: soccer players, that they will be up for it. This could be, you know, kind of a springboard. It's, it's, it's a gimme game. Let's be real. This is a game that absolutely under no circumstances should we be losing. But crazier things have happened, that's for sure. And it is Everton. And so you can never quite discount it. So that being said, Alex... Let's do your score prediction for the FA Cup tie. My score
0: prediction against Lincoln City, I'm going to go 3-0 to the Toffees. And I'd like it to be known that this is the third round. Everton have failed to make it past the third round in the last two seasons. So this will be progress under Marco Silva if we can make it past the third round, James.
1: Yeah, I mean we're we're very fortunate with the draw whereas in the last couple seasons we've, you know, we were at Chelsea away I believe last season and then I would hope that the FA Cup is now the way that the tables playing out kind of becoming the primary goal of this season. It's our most realistic chance of winning anything. I'm going to go a 2-0 win to Everton. But again, it wouldn't surprise me to be sitting there biting my fingernails 80 minutes in. Lincoln City have successfully had zero shots on target. We've had 20 and three have been on target and we're looking at a nil-no game. Um, That wouldn't surprise me one bit, but I still think just our quality, there's no way that we can lose this game or should lose it. Two nil to the Toffees.
0: Well, I hope that either one of us are correct, really. We're both coming in this match with a pretty positive outlook, so please look out for our post-match on Saturday. Hopefully, we can bring you a happier podcast episode. And then a couple days after that, on the 7th of January, we're going to do a transfer market special episode with at Toffee Targets on Twitter. So check him out. He'll be on the show, giving us a lot of good information on transfer targets. Hopefully, maybe Everton will have made a move or two by then, and we can have some fantastic talking points for you. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast.
1: Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.